The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. from Love Destination and I've just had a fantastic chat with John on Startup Secrets from Entrepreneurs. We've talked about everything from raising money and how you need more than you need, challenges of startups, pitfalls to avoid, how to build revenue and traction through partnerships and so many things in between. You have to listen. My special guest is Katie Lassell, and uh, she's uh, from Love Destination. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and, and chatting with you about yeah, all, things, said, all things spa dad-ups. We're at our very first episode, so there you go. So Yeah, so it's very interesting. So um, give me a little bit of background on, on what you do now. Like, um, I guess what we want to do is we sort of want to go to the future and say, yeah. like, talk to you the way you are now. And then we're going to do what we call a Tarantino and we'll go back and have a look. <laughs> and so what do you, what do, you do now and, and what are you involved in? So I'm the founder and CEO of Love Destination. So we've been dubbed the Netflix of love to give you, I guess, a an idea of what it is. So it's a um, streaming channel for everything love, dating and relationships and um, basically can stream like expert masterclasses, films, documentaries and and lots of things in between. So at the moment we are um, on about 10, 20 middle tens of millions of connected TVs in the US and Canada and Philips TVs um, in England, but uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> that is for sure. I can imagine. <laughs> I have to laugh because you have to laugh, don't you? When you, yeah, yeah, when you yeah. have a startup, you have to. Um, you don't lose your sense of humor with a startup because otherwise you will end up jumping off a cliff for sure, I think, because. You know. Well, you know, I think, John, isn't it true? And I'm sure that your um, audience can relate to this is that when you, when you um, read the media, you know, entrepreneurship is really, it's glamorized. It's made out to be this, like this unicorn, this fabulous, fast paced, amazing life where you're doing these fabulous things and making lots of money. And then maybe you'll have the next billion dollar thing. But in truth, um, it can be really isolating. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really challenging. It tests all of your friendships. It zaps your money. It zaps your time. And really, I guess if you're if you're living your why, then absolutely it's 100% worth it. But I think when we go in and we think it's going to be easy or it's going to take this long and cost this much money, mm. then there's some disappointment that can come in there. And maybe sometimes we get this crisis of confidence because actually, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this, yep. often it doesn't work out yes. the way that you think. Mm. Maybe for some people, 
not finished. I, I don't think it ever does, actually. <laughs> I don't think I've ever worked out. Nothing's ever worked out the way. It's funny, when you go into, like, they reckon you go into, like, Silicon Valley and ask for investment, right? They say, how many times have you failed before? Um, because if you said never, they go, come back when you've failed a few times. Because yeah. the thing is that until you've learned from failure, you know, if you if, actually sometimes if it's too successful too quick, yeah. you actually learnt nothing, right? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, you know, that's true. And I think, I think this is the interesting thing is I feel as though I fail, I mean, within the same business, although, you know, I had a few false starts before launching Love Destination where I tried. I mean, I launched back in 2009, I, I um, published a book and I launched this little online marketing campaign and we had 12 million views in six months. And I thought digital TV is the future because yeah. I was, I was um, pitching shows to networks and working in media and TV and relationships and body language. And I thought, yes, this is a great way of getting my message out to millions, right? And for with a lot more control and being able to spread the message you want than traditional TV, which is very much, it's formulaic. You've got to, everything you want is thrown out the window and you have to do it a certain way. And so I thought, yes, this is a good idea. And I, I tried my first iteration and, you know, and then went through a separation and divorce and then it was just like, oh, and then I tried the next one. <laughs> and I really, I didn't know what the, and it was early. It was even, you know, some of it pre-Netflix days, sort of yes. really, really early. And then Netflix came, but it was still, you know, DVDs at home time. And then, and then I, looking back, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I mean, that was never going to work because even right. a platform that we were looking at paying all this money for wasn't even going to distribute, like wasn't even going to provide mm. an app or anything. Yeah. But you don't know what What's you don't happen? know. Mm. And absolutely, and even within Love Destination, I feel as though, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm constantly failing and having to pick myself up again and think, I don't know if I can do this. And then you have this crisis of confidence and then, you know, you want to stay, you literally want to stay in bed for a yeah. but you can't because your email was going ping, ping, ping. And you've always chasing you. <laughs> investors and people who rely on you, you know, you've, mm. you've taken investors on and, and you've, for me anyway, that uh, I have a sense of obligation to do everything I can to make it work. And in the, at the end of the day, if it doesn't, then at least, you know, you've left nothing on the table and you've done whatever you can. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the path to success, is there a path to success? I don't think so. I think no. every time you hit success, yeah. Yeah. then there's another major challenge and it's something that you're going to fail at and feel like a total failure. <laughs> well, I think the thing is like I, what I've always told myself anyway, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but I think the universe or whatever you want doesn't think you, you deserve it unless you prove it. So, you know what I mean? Like if you, if you say, look, if yeah. not working, then you're just not trying hard enough or you're not being smart enough or whatever it is, but the universe wants to give it to you, but you don't think you're worthy enough to do yeah. it. So you just yeah. keep on trying till, till you yeah. get there. And I think, I think that's part of the issue is that failure is not what it is. And I think that's the biggest problem that annoys, yeah. annoys me in schools. They teach you that failure is a bad thing. Yes. Like you've got to pass these exams. You've got to pass these assignments. Yes. You've got to pass school. And as soon as you leave school, you start failing straight away. Yeah. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. How did that, how did, how did that translate? So these kids that are scared to fail and then you end up in a situation yeah. where but failure you becomes... You learn, right? Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. bizarre. And I think that's Absolutely. the danger. And I think... Yeah. And, and you're feeling like you have to do everything that you're so right, John, you know, feeling like you have to do everything perfectly and that there's no room to fail. And also I think in that, because we've been taught that you can't fail, that you, 
you know, and if you fail and if you don't get something right, then there's something wrong with you, right? That sort of, but, and then that means that it's hard to, I, in all honesty, I have many, many times and even now felt nervous going to advisors, going to the board, going to investors to say, I'm really struggling. Mm. I don't, it's not working. I don't know what's going wrong. We need to change something. What I had in my mind, I did all the due diligence, but it didn't work. And I can't tell you how mortifying it has been. And you probably have experienced this yourself, feeling like I couldn't say that out loud, feeling like Mm. I was going to let people down. But Mm. actually, in those failures right there, your greatest lessons, that's when maybe you pivot. Like, obviously, Mm. with with COVID for us, (laughs) a lot of people have been watching digital TV. You know, a lot of people have been being streaming, but... You know, we we changed our model to be um, like a freemium model. So a lot of it was advertising and then you upgraded. A lot of people have subscription fatigue now because they literally subscribe to everything. And a lot of the advertisers dropped off during COVID. So we Mm. were getting a lot of views, but we weren't making any money from those views. Mm. And that is puts you in a really challenging position. And we normally do a lot of branded content to help drive revenue where we work with um, brands on creating, you know, amazing shows based on the coast's body language of sleep, for example, about, you know, what your sleep position reveals about you, but they're sleeping on a wonderful coastal mattress and bedding and that sort of thing. So really aligned. But of course, during COVID time, you know, that becomes problematic. And, you know, so that is a problem. You know, you've got a problem, you've got an environmental situation that you, you can't control and you don't really know what's going to happen. And in a situation where investors are nervous, everyone, there's a level of uncertainty. And, um, and that's a scary time. But for us, it's been a chance to think, okay, we've got this amazing content. We've got, you know, like three, now we've got 300 um, because, of, because of what happened with COVID. And, you know, we had one of our um, distrib- aggregators who we licensed content from renege on our deal. And then we're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So we went out and got new content. And whilst we were doing that, we started looking for wellness content for a new like employee, um, corporate employee wellbeing channel because we have a lot of that content to add to it to create another challenge, another channel that basically helps corporates in this environment. So sometimes you pivot because life goes, <laughs> right? Yep. And, that, and that sort of sense of what are we going to do failure rather than seeing it as, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. What what can I actually? How can what can how what can this turn into? You know, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah. I you're so right though. I mean, we we're not taught that failure is a good thing. It's really funny. I I think the words of Mike Tyson is everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I think to some degrees, like entrepreneurship is a bit like boxing. You have to get in that ring every day. You have to cop the punches. And yes. most people can't do it, right? They've just run away and they yes. say, I'll go get a job or whatever and, yeah. and that's it. And I think you've got to be prepared to take those punches or duck on one of the two. But yeah. the, the thing is that I think that's the, the danger is that if you don't, like in your case, it's always, I think sometimes it's meant to be, sometimes an idea comes out of something and it kind of like you have to go with the flow a little bit. And, yeah. and, and I think wellness is a big thing because I, I see that with COVID, for example, mm. if you look at it, look at trends, right, and look at what people are doing, with COVID, people are going to get stuck at home. Wellness isn't, hasn't been a major focus necessarily. Yeah. You know, there's fear and all that sort of money and all that sort of worry. So you heighten the whole problem itself, like relationships and everything yeah. sort of at, And at mental pressure. health, you know, mm. mental health is a huge, 
a huge thing at the moment. And I and for us entrepreneurs, yes, um, mm. mental health is a huge thing because mm. I think one of the biggest things I've learned, John, is being okay with asking for help and support. You know, mm. I think that sometimes if you're a founder, you feel like you have to do everything. And, you know, let's be honest, being a founder means wearing a million hats. And yeah. if you are the type of person, and probably a lot of type A personalities go into entrepreneurship because, you know, it's they, they I can do this, I can, yeah, let's go, I'm going to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is, if you are that type of person, having to do a million things and a lot of them which are not what you're good at, yeah. you know, is confronting. Like for me, that's really triggering. I, I can be a bit of a perfectionist and really my harshest critic. No one could be meaner to me than I am to me. Yep. Um, what you say to yourself when you're alone is the most dangerous. Yes, right? yes, yes. Um, and so actually surrounding, you know, people want to help you, but I think sometimes when you're in, um, you know, when you have, and not everyone, some people's families and friends will be super supportive um, but sometimes you'll find that if you've been, if you've tried quite a few different startups and maybe you've been through this and maybe you've had some failures or you've had things that haven't worked or you thought this is what's going to happen and then that didn't happen, people might think it's okay to fail. It's okay to quit. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that we support you if you don't want to do this anymore. Mm. Um, you know, maybe you should get a job. And yeah, I, think, that's I have a job. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like, get a real job, right? Like, get, I get a real job. And it's like, I work 70 hours a week. How is that not a job, you know? And sometimes, you know, literally I've been, you know, working and doing the stuff at uh, Love Destination and then because we've had a gap in, you know, in funding, having to, you know, literally produce content for other things on the side and be getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do that. So literally had two jobs running simultaneously just so that we have enough money to launch a new channel or do whatever because that is an easier option and a faster option to launching or traction than going down the investor route because of the whole due diligence thing. And it's it's mm-hmm. hard to get investment, right? It's yes. hard and it comes with a lot of obligations. There's a lot, you know, it's not as easy as somebody handing you a check for half a million dollars. It's always um, got strings attached, right? And the thing is, yeah. and I think what people forget about investors is that they don't, they don't think the same way to you. They, they yeah. want to know when they get out, when they get their money. Yeah, of course. And, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and depending on where you are in your business, you know, that at the beginning before you've launched, it might seem like, oh, yeah, in a year we're going to be making, you know, this many million dollars. But the reality of it is, you know, most startups um don't make revenue for a really really long time and that you know, that's okay you know um but it's not you know it's not being devastated if that happens <laughs> thinking oh my god what's wrong with me you know um and just still backing yourself and backing your why and knowing that you know the path to success for a startup is a long one sometimes you know there we hear about these amazing cases don't we john where um people just have this idea and wow. Overnight success, right? It took 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that's not always the case Mm. and that's okay. You know, everybody's startup journey is different. Everybody's path to success is different. And, you know, sometimes your path to success is not succeeding at all, but learning these amazing skills and creating these amazing partnerships that then when you have your next idea or maybe it's an iteration of the same idea but slightly different, but then you're ready, you know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's 
you know, as long as the idea, uh, I think anyway, is to make that that journey a really short one rather than a really long one. Because yeah, I think I was, I was, I was I'm listening to an audio book about Leon Musk and one of the things he said in the book or the, or the bio guy said in the book was ask for twice as much money as you need. Yes. You don't have to go back to the investor. Don't go back to the investor and ask for more money. He said, yeah. because that's the biggest mistake he made in the early days. Was he asked for just enough? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem with entrepreneurship is that yes. you usually just get enough, just enough to keep you going, but not enough to get you across to the next level. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, we we had that too, and it's it's hard to ask for a lot of money, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to say ask for more than you need, but you know when you're pitching like you know when we were going out we were pitching um and we 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 had some some significant traction because we had some of our shows that we'd produced that had already had millions of views through other um distribution channels we had some sponsors who'd already put in money so we raised revenue for branded content before we even had a channel Mm -hmm. we started um you know we had seventy thousand um followers on Facebook but that was before Facebook kind of went boom and those followers didn't count for anything anymore you know they had we had a lot of engagement and then all of a sudden we thought that we could turn that into subscribers but then there was that major shift in Facebook and that all went um but you know then going for and we we found that we we were raising money and you know normally if you're if you're going in the you know OTT um streaming I mean the streaming landscape is dominated at the time where by, you know, Netflix and Stan and huge players. And so it's a very expensive um, landscape to advertise in. And, you know, we, we launched in New York. We lived in New York for quite a few months and in the middle of winter <laughs> with two kids in tow. It was fun. Um, and, you know, everywhere you go, there are billboards for digital TV channels everywhere. It's like, funny in Australia, you don't see that, right? In, in that, no. you go to the US, like I was in Hollywood, and there's all these signs up about shows that are coming. Yes. And yeah. you, you think, wow. And you never see anything like that in Australia. Like the best no. you can some ad advertising a bank or something. Like that's yeah, about the best yeah. you're going to get in Australia, right? So when we're here, then we, we assume that, you know, their landscape isn't that competitive. But then, you know, uh, when we went, because, you know, Love Destination is global, we stream in over 200 countries, we have, you know, partnerships with Hisense, Physio, Philips. Um, so a lot, a lot of the connected TVs in the US and Canada. But from here, when you're, you know, mm. getting, you know, funding and all that sort of thing, you think, okay, and you've got a plan for marketing and that sort of stuff. So we, we raised enough money to, um, you know, build and get content and, you know, produce a lot of original content. And then we went to the US and we had to live there for a while and it was very expensive. And then and then the reality of what it would take to market in that environment hit and then we didn't have enough money to market. And I remember the day we launched and my one of my coders quit and um, I was, it was snowing outside and I was just sitting on the table and I was just in tears, <laughs> you know. We were supposed to launch on Valentine's Day, but, you know, the CODIS, the, you know, all of our amazing tech partners and Atara were incredible. You know, we had all our connected TV apps and um, iOS and Google and everything was working except for the damn website for people to buy. <laughs> and I was there and just, like, cry. And I think I cried for... Um, probably like two or three weeks just sitting wow. at my desk, just crying. And, um, you know, my my partner who's a cinematographer was there just filming me and I'm just like, please get the camera away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, absolutely. And so the financial aspect is 
it's a big one and it's really mm. hard i think to predict how much how much it's going to cost because you don't know what you don't know mm. and even on the best assumptions and you know in in our landscape and it might not be the same for everybody's but in the in the streaming media it is changing so fast because it's very new and a, yes. and a lot of startup maybe particularly media tech health tech you know financial tech those the technology is changing really rapidly in all of these landscapes which means that before you can even get you know you've got assumptions you've got all that sort of stuff that you base and you can have the best intentions and have these assumptions that are based on case data you know historical data from other um, channels or whatever whatever your thing is but if the industry is changing very very quickly that that is no longer relevant it's useless the data is actually useless if anything so, is yes, dangerous. exactly mm. so we we and you know like everything you base it on you've got all you know you get all the stats and you you base your assumptions on that how much it's going to cost you how much revenue you'll you'll likely make you know how many subscribers you can generate but i think and that was our big thing is not realizing i mean even now i, I mean it it's gone from being, you know, like the Netflix type channels to now, you know, fast channels, which are literally 24-7, like Foxtel, basically. It's mm -hmm. gone back to that. And now that, we had to create a new channel for that. Wow. And then that's driving more um, viewership than than the old channel. So, you know, in some of these interest industries, it's changing so quickly. Um and it's really hard to keep up. But my mm. best my best advice is to surround yourself with people who are in it and know a lot more than you, you know, so that you can constantly be saying, what the hell is going on? It's something to draw on, yeah. Yeah, help me, you know, what What should I do? And so I, you know, I've had many times, John, where I, you know, question, do we, what do we do? Do we keep doing this? And I've, and, you know, because you can believe and you can, you know, how you were saying earlier, John, about, um, you know, it, it's not working because I just haven't tried hard enough. But sometimes you can get to the point where you've literally sunk, you know, and you've got that whole sort of sunk cost bias mm. and you've literally put all your money in, all your time, everything. And you can then start to question whether am I just still in this because I am too emotionally invested and I can't mm. see What's it. What's the real so, reason? Mm. Yeah, and I've many times had to go and ask advisors, had to ask my board who obviously have vested interest if it doesn't work, you know, your board, it affects them too, right? And so mm. um, it's good to just ask the people around you, you know, is it, am I just, and sometimes, you know, if you're having a crisis of confidence, you ask the people around you who know the industry, not your friends and family. Yeah, um, not a bad, not a good idea, right? Because they're always going to yeah. take what you think. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, yeah. darling, you know what, you've given it your best shot. <laughs> Get a job, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that no matter where you are in your business, you will always have those moments mm. because even if you have success, there will be times or things like COVID that change the landscape or a new competitor that change the landscape and then it is no longer what it was. Mm. And then you have to reevaluate. You have to shift like we're, you know, launching a new channel. You have to think, okay, what is the market? Oh, pardon me. <clears throat> what is the market at the moment? What do I need to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't know about you, John, but for me anyway, in all of those periods when there's been a big shift or whatever, usually for me, that comes with a crisis of confidence where I'm like, oh, not again. You know? Yeah, it's almost like they're picking on you, right? And it's actually not personal. <laughs> right. And I guess it's just, um, you know, I think that you, 
sometimes um, you can crave that sense of, you know, being an entrepreneur, having a startup, there's a lot of uncertainty. And sometimes you you crave just a little bit of it and then you get a taste of it and you start getting some revenue and you start getting some traction and you think, phew, we're good. And then something else comes along that mm. changes the landscape. And mm. so I think that you really have to get comfortable with that uncertainty and maybe lean into it i think the thing rather than treat it as a drama and i think some people actually get adrenaline out of it and i think it's probably a bad thing yeah i don't know whether you've ever seen that undercover billionaire on on um foxtel no no it's very interesting because it's got grand condone in it and and he has a crisis of confidence in there like he his biggest problem with being on the show was his reputation he said if i look bad and i don't succeed on this show i'm going to wreck my entire reputation yes yes his whole thing of not failing was because he's going to lose his reputation and what he's can do and he got COVID in that show you know the show got shut down all sorts of things went wrong it's almost like the show itself went through an entrepreneurial problem as well on that process yeah um, and you look at that whole, you know, how to build, basically the premise is you build a business, you go to a, a town, you get $100 yeah. in a car, yeah. and you have to build a million-dollar business in 90 days. <laughs> right? but if you don't, if it's not valued a million dollars, you have to give a million dollars. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. And that's what they've got on the line. Um, and they're not really billionaires, these guys. They're pretty wealthy, but they're not billionaires. But I guess they probably couldn't get kind of billionaire to do it. But it was just like interesting when you look at that. Those people had to start from scratch. And yeah. then, you know what they did? It's really no. interesting. Even <laughs> right. look at what's, the, what's the formula that they went through? They all went and asked for help. They always yeah. went and yeah. sound, found someone that could help them. And yeah. sometimes it turned out it wasn't, the, initially it wasn't the person they thought was going to help them. And yeah. someone else off the side, which they hadn't paid attention yes. to, actually ended up being the person. Helping them. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, I think that we undervalue, like, you know, I mean, I work in love and relationships, you know, my background is as a relationship and body language expert. So I, I'm passionate about love and connection. I, you know, I believe it can change the world. So maybe yeah. I'm biased, but I think that in all aspects of our life, you know, at, at the core, we're relational beings, you know, we're born to connect with each other. We're born to have that sense of belonging. We actually feel good when we help each other. And as entrepreneurs, sometimes we can feel like we're a bit of an island, you know, like we need to, we can't ask for help. That's a sign of, sign of weakness, which it's yeah. not. And, um, you know, for us, what was really interesting is, you know, with our partnerships and relationships, like we wouldn't be where we are now. You know, there's no way that I could have personally have gone and gotten partnerships with Philips TVs and Vizio as a startup, mm. you know, like you because our, our app is pre-installed on their TVs. There's absolutely mm. no way now they would have laughed me out of the building. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we partnered with a media tech company who had those partnerships and we leveraged those partnerships. So, you know, if you have a startup, you know, think about as well who has your audience, you know. Yeah. Who um, has your money? It was interesting with Grant Condone. He's got my money. money, right? He's got my money. Yeah, and it's like it's interesting because it's an interesting kind of way to think about it. It's not about taking yeah. the money away from us. Who's got my money? Yeah. And it's like I think that's the trick is that, 
you know, as you say, the relationship is key, but how yes. do you get there? And it's yeah. sometimes not exactly a straight line, right? You have yeah. to go around. But also, you know, I, I had um, a friend who was really great at connecting people, right? Really great at connecting people with investors. He introduced me to um, my first investor and for that I was really grateful. And one thing that he told me, which I actually had never been able to do because I always felt like I was being too intrusive, but it's a really great tip and it's something, is that whenever you are in a meeting, you, you know, you you say, um, do you have, do you, you know, do you have any anyone else that you think um, might be able to help me? Do you have anyone else who works in this space? Do you have anyone mm. else who knows about right this? Mm. And so it's not about necessarily this person having to invest in you, this person. It's about who do they know? Mm. Because, you know, the, every person you meet, you know, I mean, we've all heard about, you know, the six degrees of separation, but yeah. we, we all have, and, you know, from a marketing sort of point of view, you know, the relationships that are most of most value to you are the weak ties. So the, you know, the, the strong ties are your friends, your family, the people you see all the time, but you know them, they know your story. There's, they're not going to spread your message out there. You need mm. to get your message spread to people you don't know whose circles you don't have anything to do with, because in those circles, you have access to resources, advice, perhaps even money that you don't have in your, or, you know, maybe you've exhausted your own circle. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Um, and so it's about spreading, you know, s- spreading out. And, and then you don't feel so bad. Then it's not, you know, you don't feel like this person. You've got to, you know, mm. sometimes during these you know, investor meetings or whatever, if you feel like you're hounding people for money, they don't like that. It's about building a relationship. And so if you're going in not just to get, not with the purpose of getting money from this person, but building a relationship, expanding your network, um, having something to offer them as well, then then it's different. You know, the relationship, the relational dynamic is different and you will act in a different way. You won't come across, you know, your nonverbal communication won't scream, help me, I'm desperate. Mm. It'll scream, I'm here to connect with you. I'm open, I'm trustworthy. Um, and, and that's, you know, the key to building trust, the key to um, being able to persuade someone is, you know, to to be able to, come across as a normal human being who's open to connection. Don't freak them out, right? Don't scare <laughs> off the natives, right? With the, yeah. I think that's the thing is being self-aware. I think the thing about being an entrepreneur, I think, is being self-aware, right? About understanding yeah. what you're saying, what you're doing, and, and analysing what you said and what you did. Yeah. Because I but think you, a lot of people don't do that. They, they, they basically sort of think, oh, well, I've just said this and, and I'll, you know, and, and so I well, don't say that again, right? So I think learning from those conversations, yes. thinking about what you said and reviewing it, not being nasty yourself, but saying, oh, I'm not going to say that again. Like I've some situations where, what did I say that for? Like, that well, what can movie. I learn? You know, what and I think <laughs> what's really interesting is, you know, often, and I've, I've been in this situation many times in my career, you know, not so much now, but, you know, particularly at the beginning of my career, you know, is, you know, when you're in an emotionally heightened situation, you really want something. So you're emotionally invested. You can go into limbic arousal. So basically, you know, you, you, you go into survival mode, freeze, fight or flight. And that affects your cognition. It affects your ability to speak, think, you know, mm. interact. And, and so sometimes from that perspective, if you're going in and you're flooded, right, because you're scared and you've got a lot on the line and you're emotionally invested, it affects our ability to connect with other people. It also affects our ability to remember what the hell we said. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, taking time to really, 
I mean, I, I know it sounds ridiculous in these situations, but just from, you know, to sense yourself and relax a little bit before you go in and remember your why, you know, mm. remember that you're actually, you know, if your why is powerful enough, then it's, it's a gift, you know, it's, you're providing people with an opportunity. You're, you're, you're just having a relationship. You're having, you're building a relationship. You're, you're having a conversation with people. And I think if you take the pressure off yourself about this is what I want to achieve. And I know some people are very much geared towards that and orientated towards that. But at the end of the day, because of, you know, embodied cognition, so our body language, our facial expressions, our thoughts and emotions are all linked. And so if your thoughts are, I've got to get this or I'm going to fail, then the rest of you also communicates, mm. I've got to get this or I'm going to fail. Um, and, you, you know, you're setting yourself up for not failure, but you're setting yourself up um in a way that's not going to be conducive to building a relationship. So I think... Starting off badly in some respects. Yeah. And you know what? It's And you can go in and say, you know what? I, I'm really nervous. I, I am passionate about this project mm. because you're a human being mm. and we all doubt ourselves. We all get nervous. And if you're going to investors or to advisors and, you, and you're choosing the right ones, then they have been where you are at. They have failed before. They know what it's like to raise money. They know how hard it is. They're probably don't underestimate what they, <laughs> under someone else has got yes. money in the bank, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if they're if you're talking to them about investment or as an advisor or whatever it is, then then they know what it feels like. So if you can connect with them on a human level, and then you're going to straight away form this connection that's built on not you pretending that you're you know. Yeah, trying but to rather, yeah, and, I think yeah, and then they're more likely thing, to help you, right? Exactly. And I think the thing is too, like you know, I like to watch in the shark tanks and stuff like that because what happens is you see, you know, that they if they connect to the to the investor yes. at an emotional level, yes. they will usually get the deal. Yes, and they try to get them through numbers and stuff. Unless the guy's very numerical, like one of the people, the guys on the show might be very numerical and very number based. Yeah. yeah. But particularly, the women will be much more, you know, yes. connected with the emotional side of it. And so you see that happen. You think, well, yeah, it's it's about connecting with them. It's not yeah. necessarily about. And sometimes you can have the wrong investor, right? So you can connect with the wrong guy, yeah, girl, and then you end up in a situation where you actually think, oh, why did I even do business with this person? I knew yeah. that I shouldn't have done business with them. Yes. They had the money. It's so hard though, John. You know, like yeah. I've. And, you know, I've been in many situations where people have wanted to invest and my gut feel is just like, oh, you know, like amazing people, but just Scared. driven by a different, completely different different thing to me. And you know it's going to be problematic. And, mm. you know, there have been many times when I've turned down investment and it's nearly killed me because literally yeah. I had like zero cents, <laughs> negative $1,000 in the bank. Yeah. Like I remember, oh, my goodness, before we launched, I was – Here's a funny startup story in America. And I was filming some TV shows for the channel and I had, um, we had um, done a deal with somebody who was supposed to set up all my meetings in America. And normally to be honest, I'm a control freak. And I, and I'm normally like, please, you know, I really want to see where we're at with this, who have we got. But, you know, I was going through a stage where I was like, no, you've got to let it go. And you've got to let people do what they're good at, yep. you know, delegate. So I was going through that stage and I thought, no, 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 no. And they're like, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I thought, okay. <laughs> and so I got to, and I flew them over to LA. I got there, no meetings, oh, no. nothing. They didn't turn up. When they turn up, you know, it was just, and I, I thought, oh, 
And so I paid for their accommodation, you know, we paid for their flights. And then I went and um, rented some camera equipment. And in America here, the bond is like nothing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like $600 or whatever. And it was $4,000, but it was in American dollars. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it wiped out my account. So there I am in LA. And then I went to the account and there was like no money in it. So I'm in a on the other side of the world, the person who's supposed to set up all my meetings or whatever, and even they had become a shareholder, literally turned out, you know, intoxicated, hadn't set anything up. And I, and so then I was calling the lawyers trying to renege that, you know, agreement, get the shares back and say null and void, stop, you know. Um, and, you know, literally staying in an Airbnb and having to eat out of the peanut butter thing. because I, And so you will find yourself in those situations. And I think that you know, sometimes you have to trust your gut. And so I had, I had been well, in I that situation let the gut I didn't override. trust my, yeah, I didn't trust the gut my gut. A financial decision, I reckon. Sometimes if you look at it and say, look, you know, why did I do that? Because the gut told me not to because the gut says, or, you know, the brain's saying, hey, take the money, take the money. The gut's saying, no, screaming, no, don't take the money. But yeah. you take the money and think, I wish I'd listened to the gut at the time. Yeah, <laughs> or sometimes it's not always the money. It's, it's um, getting someone on your team because mm. they on paper have all of the stuff that you feel you don't have. But something about it says it's not right. Something doesn't add up. But you go with it anyway because you feel like I don't have, I can't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. So if the gut says that, like I made that mistake. And it, it was really challenging for me. And mm-hmm. I've learned, you know, I'd rather do something on my own and it be hard than choose mm-hmm. the wrong person. Yeah. Because it's really hard to get out of a relationship with the wrong person. Like yeah. it's difficult. And it costs you a lot along the way, not just mm-hmm. financially, but mentally yeah, your sanity. Yeah, I've been through that. <laughs> I went I went through a partnership that cost me well, it cost me a lot. I think it cost me like three million dollars in the end. <gasps> I reckon. Um, John. Yeah, because I got into a partnership that seemed good on paper, it looked good. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when I got through this whole process, I realized he was actually going broke, that he yeah. actually didn't, I didn't get in deep enough in the financials. And yeah. suddenly I'm paying for his Porsche, I'm paying for his expensive building in Perth, I'm doing all these things. And then I spent the next six months trying to get out of it, by, and in the end I had to pay him half a million dollars to get rid of him. And yeah. then, then it was a flow-on effect from that, which I could write a book about. But <laughs> the bottom you line, you should. <laughs> yeah, well, I probably get sued by lots of people. Um, yeah. But basically, you know, it costs a lot of money because it, was, yeah. it seemed like on paper the perfect solution. We merged two yeah. companies that actually looked logical. The whole thing looked very logical. Yes. Yes. Um, and what I realised was I offered him too much to get out. I should have halved it. So yeah. I always reckon, you know, whatever number you think of, double it. Yeah. That way, but whatever number you think of negotiation, halve it the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, and then you can yeah. always come up, but you can't yeah. go down. Like they won't yes. let you go down. And he took the deal too fast. Yeah, yeah. Right? If he said negotiated and said, "Oh no, that's not not enough." Yeah, I should offer two hundred and fifty. I probably yes. would have away with three hundred. Yes. Well, was, you won't do that again, will you? No. Like I learned from that, <laughs> but it cost me a lot of money in the process. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the, the. You know, sometimes it's like not always logic is the key to this thing. I think if yes. you feel that something's not right. Yeah. And you should dig into that a little bit before you go and make that decision. Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, like if you can figure out your customer and yes. where they're going to go and, and what yeah. they're going to pay um, and then don't, uh, un, you know, under, underestimate either way, I think, you know. <laughs> it's, I think it's easier said than done though, isn't it? You know, mm. I think, um, you, yeah, and you, I think sometimes we feel like if we go too low, 
then we might miss an opportunity and they might walk away. Like they're not going to negotiate. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're maybe it's a deal, you're trying to strike up a deal with a programmer for to build a website or whatever. And we've had this situation where, where, you know, all of a sudden whatever you were paying them, then all of a sudden they come back and it's like 20 times more than whatever (laughs) they were charging you before. And you're like, what now? like how did that work out but mm. because they know your position they're trying to and then you know you have that fear of thinking oh my goodness you know are they just going to walk away if i <laughs> if i say um you know no that's too high or whatever you know and so but i yeah i think that you have to you can't be bullied into a corner you know, mm. and I think that sometimes when you're a startup entrepreneur and there is, there's aspects of your business or aspects of what you need to build your business that you don't understand outside of your scope of experience, um, you can feel like sometimes you need that person. and But there's always another one of that person. Yeah, the, yeah, okay, don't, so, yeah, don't think that. Yeah, so, you know, so and you can feel finish. like you're not going to be able to launch if you don't give them what they're asking. And it feels like that, but that's not the truth. And, yes, mm-hmm. you might have to delay your launch slightly, but actually it's better than literally getting into bed with someone who's not the right fit or who's going to mm-hmm. cost you, you know. I mean, I've spoken to startups, you know, before they've even launched, they've spent like $120,000, $150,000 on a website, you know, yes. and not build a minimum viable product. You know, there's mm. a lot of money to spend on a website, you know, I didn't spend anywhere near that much to launch a streaming network. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? And so you think, wow, you don't, that's a lot of money to spend on something that you don't know if it's going to work, you know, like try and if you have to do an equity deal with these people and pay some cash, some equity, whatever, but you know, know that whoever you're speaking to is not the only person you can use, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the trick. And it's actually interesting. I was watching a TV show last night and it was, this, it was kind of it's a long story. But basically, um, the guy was negotiating with her for, for tuition for, a, for, his, for his child and she said $4,000. And then she says, I want it up front. And then as it went on, he just kept on decreasing the price. He said, no, I'll yeah. do it for $2,000 and then I'll yeah. do it for that. And in the end, he said, I'll give you $1,500. Yeah. And she goes, no, screw you, I'm not doing it. And she yeah. just basically walked away from the deal because yeah. he was basically going really deep and, and to a point where it got stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was quite the negotiation was ended, but she could have easily taken the money anyway because yeah, she was desperate yeah. for the money, but she decided not to because it was yeah. like he was just becoming diff- too hard for it. Like initially yeah. said that thing, so, okay, that's too hard now, I'm not doing it. Well, that's it, isn't it? And sometimes you'll be in a situation and it feels just doesn't you know it feels like it's too hard and if it feels like it's really too hard at the beginning a relationship with somebody and that's in the early stages where they're trying to impress you and they're trying to win business of you then what is it going to be like when they've got your money or Mm. some of it Mm. and you're trying to manage you know conflict or negotiate challenges how are you going to make that work like it's hard at the beginning (laughs) when it's supposed it's like a first date isn't it at the beginning you know if some, you know, people are normally on their best behaviour and they're being, you know, really interested and empathetic and if they're not, then you walk away. But that's the same in a business relationship. If at the beginning they're not really interested, invested, have aligned values with you, really important, I think, right, when you're going into a startup, that their vision matches yours, their values match yours because otherwise don't do it. No matter what money's on the table, if your values don't align with theirs, then it's just it's not going to work, you know, and it could cost you your whole business, you know, Mm. because 
Bad mistake. Yeah. yeah, messy relationships within a startup, a company, or whatever. I mean, that's one of a big reason why startups, like, you know, mm. yeah, implode, because right? Because, because of internal mm. friction, mm. conflict. You know, mm. um, so just walk away, <laughs> run away. I think. <laughs> So that's a probably interesting time to sort of stop now because I think we've we've come up to the time. So, um, what's new? What's for you now? Like, what's the what's the new future before we wrap up? What what's your plan for the next twelve months to two years kind of thing? What are you looking at doing? So our plan now is to really ramp up in um, territories like um, South America mm-hmm. and in Asia Pacific because our presence there is quite small and we're just starting to launch on. Um, some, some on some big connected TVs there, but obviously the next thing is also um, wellness destination TV. So the corporate employee wellbeing site, um, you know, and for that, that's just going to be you know a kind of a you know minimum viable products. We're not going to launch the apps first. We're just going to start with you know the subscription based website that has you know some gamification in it and um, and then take it from there and start with Australia and then you know tweak all the issues things that don't work and then um then build then build out the apps and that sort of stuff so australia's a tough audience i think if you can sell in australia anything you're doing you can sell easy anywhere else (laughs) yeah but i guess for for the corporate subscription market you know at least you i'm here you know Mm. you can send you know gift packages with subscription and stuff to each Mm. of the hr person emails no one's going to read so Mm. you can actually go and hand deliver these things Mm. um it's difficult when you're not in the country. So for us, a big challenge has been the fact that even though we have teams and we have, you know, board, um, you know, some of our board in Canada, our tech team in America, not being there all the time is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I might be making a mistake saying let's start this in Australia for wellness destination, but my gut feels that it's the right thing to do and it will cost less, so let's mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, what you, you might learn something valuable that you can learn later. I think that's part of the thing is that learning experience. I mean, yeah, we just recently did a test run for a client, and we got them we double their membership database in in a couple of days. Fantastic! But looking at that um, scenario is that we actually were able to look at the back of the data and go, well, where do these people come from? What do they make yes. decisions on? Yeah. All that information is gold because now you can say, okay, okay, how can I put a zero on the end of that or whatever yeah. because now you've got that information to start with but without that test to see whether it actually yes. can do it yeah. um, you don't know so you go this big scale and it fails and i think yes. those little tiny tests work much better than the big ones because you can, can see what's going on yeah absolutely and having learned from our previous mistakes mm. my i'm basically contacting everyone i know in hr and having coffee with them and you know and asking for their advice and then every as soon as we've launched, we'll be obviously any any company under twenty employees gets it for free. But we'll mm-hmm. be giving free memberships to every small business we know, just literally mm-hmm. door knocking to get them to test and review and that sort of stuff. So um, you learn from your you learn from the first time. <laughs> yes. and I think that's the thing. I think it's it's just a it's it's really a university of an entrepreneurship, right? You have to learn yes. how to do the process. And I mean, I can yeah. I can start a business in a week. And that will normally take people probably two years to do yeah. but because there's a system to it. And I think that's the thing is that in your system doesn't necessarily be the same system as someone else. Yes, you've yes. got to get those tool toolbox together to be able yeah. to do it. Um, yeah. Once you've got that ready, then you know with confidence that you can actually roll something out and be reasonably successful at it because yeah. you know that this, the process will work. 
Yes, and you don't miss those really important steps along the way. I think that sometimes when you have a startup, you you miss bits, maybe because you don't understand those bits or they're out of your area expertise. Tied up with it, you just get wrapped up in the whole thing, right? Yeah, or that's just going to take too long. Mm. I'm just going to just go forth and (laughs) go forth and conquer the world. And then you miss doing the important that you don't really understand your audience. You don't know, you know, from a behavioural perspective, from, you know, a motivational perspective, you don't know who they are, where they shop, how much they spend, what motivates them, but you think you're going to sell to them. And Mm. if you don't understand them, then you're probably not. You don't exactly. you know? <laughs> so we'll so thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. We had a really great chat, and I think there's some really some gold in there. Um, so I really appreciate you, Katie, for coming on, and um, and we'll put the links up on the, on the website because it's a you know, I had a, had a look at it before, and it's like a beautiful website, and I think it's thank you. You can see that you know what you're doing because when you when you see some websites, you think oh they don't really know what they're doing. When you see it, you think, okay, she's she's done the road. She knows you know, what to go. You. you know. Yes. Um. They. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, to be honest, most most people don't use most of our traffic comes from the apps and connected TV. Mm. So our poor website is like the little thing that sits there that yeah. you know, all the all the traffic goes on all goes the past time. it. <laughs> it's like a building that everybody drives yeah, past. Well, yeah. It's just it's really there just for upgrades. Mm. But um, thank mm. you so much. And you know what? It's been such a pleasure. Um, I just feel as though I know I can learn a lot from you. I'm sure that your audience can too. So I really. Um, when I say thank you for what you're doing as an entrepreneur, yeah. um, I think it's really, really important and, uh, yeah, very much needed. So yes. thank you very much for having me. Based on the response we had when we put the call out, out I think it certainly I, is. Yes, we need this. Nice. Yeah, and thank you, you know, because it's it's hard, um, but it's also so rewarding and mm. it's fantastic to have people like you, John, who just um, show show people the way and, you know, make that, the process from go to woe, you know. Mm, a easier and faster. Easier. <laughs> faster. Costing less money is good. Yes, for sure. So Thank really you appreciate so much. Really appreciate you and thanks so much for coming. Thanks, John. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippinors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.